This is Cardio Connector, your connection to the Canadian cardiovascular community. I'm Seema Nagpal, the Chief Science Officer at CCS. Today's episode is part of our series on the link between planetary health and cardiovascular health. You'll hear from experts in the field about the latest research and steps that you can take to help mitigate the impact of climate change. Today, we feature Drs. Matt Bennett and Steve Wilton. Thank you for joining us here today. Uh, we're going to talk about the interplay between planetary health and heart health in preparation for Earth Day, which is on April 22nd. I'm Matt Bennett, and I'll be your host. I'm here with Steve Wilton. Steve is a cardiac electrophysiologist and associate professor at the Libin Cardiovascular Institute at the University of Calgary. Important to this discussion uh, is that both Steve and I are members of the CCS's Planetary Health Committee, and we're both strong advocates for planetary health care. Before we get started, I'd like to thank CCS for including this topic in their Cardio Connector podcast series, and we hope to do more in the future. So let's get right into it. Uh, Steve, what prompted you to get involved in climate change advocacy? Well, thanks, Matt. It's uh, it's great to be here with you and to be able to discuss this with the CCS audience. So uh, as you know, I'm a cardiologist and uh, that has really been the the main focus of of my work uh, for, for many years. Uh, but I've been someone who's sort of long considered myself as sort of a casual environmentalist, being concerned about things, trying to do some personal activities that would reduce my carbon footprint, that kind of thing, but didn't really get involved in the bigger picture stuff. Um, and that changed in about 2018. Really two things that that happened that really caused me to want to do more about this. So the first was, that was one of the first summers, I don't know if you remember, that was, you know, in Western Canada anyway, quite affected by wildfire smoke. So we had big fires in California and Western Canada. And uh, where I live in Calgary, uh, it led to really poor air quality for quite a bit of the summer. Uh, I remember one day in particular, going out in the morning on my way to work, and it seemed like something out of a post-apocalyptic movie. There was dark red sun and gray ash sort of blowing around the neighborhood and a cold wind. And I just thought, oh my gosh, this is terrible. I sort of dawned on me that this is kind of going to become the new normal, that my kids would sort of come to expect this to be something that would happen in several summers and got me kind of angry and upset. And that, you know, it doesn't feel good. The other, the other big thing that happened, I think that made me turn that kind of uh, bad feelings into action was sort of a developing friendship with a neighbor of mine who's actually an emergency room doctor named uh, Dr. Joe Vipond, who, uh, also has been a climate change advocate for a long time. And I got to talking with him and he got me sort of engaged in some of the activities he was doing. And I learned that it kind of feels good to actually start to work on stuff instead of just worrying about the problems. So I started working primarily with CAPE, uh, which is the Canadian Association of Physicians for the Environment on our Alberta committee here. Uh, And for the last year or so, working with you and others on the Canadian Cardiovascular Society uh, panel as well. And that's been really fun. Yeah, I, I've got a similar story to you where I'm, you know, I've been interested in planetary health for a long time. And then uh, you and I've talked about it before about how there is a lot of link between cardiovascular disease and climate change. Uh, embarrassingly, you know, I thought it was primarily a respiratory issue where, you know, people would develop COPD from air pollution and then lung cancer. But there is a, a huge link between cardiovascular health and and planetary health. So if you were to crystallize sort of the main links between planetary health and cardiovascular health, what what would you want listeners to know? 
Yeah, so so that's right. And I think you don't need to feel embarrassed. I think this is something that hasn't really been emphasized or taught a lot in uh, medical school, certainly when we were going to school. I think it's maybe improving now. But, you know, in terms of the cardiovascular effects of climate change, there are really three main areas that I worry about. Uh, one is, and probably this is the most important one, is air pollution, as you mentioned. Uh, so air pollution is now, uh, based on the Global Burden of Disease study, felt to be the fourth largest risk factor or cause of cardiovascular disease that includes heart attacks and strokes in the world, uh, putting it ahead of things like that we think about more often, like smoking and obesity. And this has both acute and chronic effects. So people who are chronically exposed to high levels of pollution have higher risk. And we now know from a bunch of really neat studies, uh, some of which have been done in Canada, that acute exposure when there's really bad air days, such as I was describing in the wildfire smoke situation, uh, can trigger events, both acute coronary syndromes and arrhythmia syndromes as well. The second area that I think uh, people should be aware of and was made obvious to us a couple of summers ago is heat. So obviously we think about global warming as one of the effects of climate change. And uh, I think as Canadians, many of us would be happy with a average 1% or one degree increase in, in heat. Uh, but that's not what we get. We get these extreme heat events sometimes uh, that are very difficult. And in your province, in, in British Columbia in 2021, over 600 people died directly from, from excess heat exposure and the inability to get safe. Um, and we know that people with pre-existing heart disease uh, are four to seven-fold more likely to experience mortality in these kinds of events. We also know that heat can trigger thrombotic syndrome. So epidemiologic studies show that there is increasing incidence of acute coronary syndromes during heat waves, so non-fatal events too. And then the third area that I want to talk about is in actually disruption to our work, disruption to healthcare delivery. Um, this can relate to really extreme events. So in uh, 2015 in Alberta here, we had really bad wildfires and they threatened the northern city of Fort McMurray and in fact came within a few hundred meters of the hospital there. And that hospital had to be evacuated completely in an emergency, uh, which of course was a major disruption to, to healthcare. Thankfully, they were able to do that successfully without injuries, but it's certainly a, a pretty dire warning of what can happen. And then related to that is, you know, when bad things happen elsewhere, it can also affect the way that we work. So some of you may remember the big Hurricane Maria that affected Puerto Rico several years ago, and, and that affected worldwide distribution of very commonly used IV fluid preparations. And so this is another way, and there's other examples too, that that uh, climate change is affecting us. Yeah, it's really hit home for me here in the Lower Mainland in uh, British Columbia. There was a huge flood uh, several years ago in the Fraser Valley. And the, the one of the hospitals in the Fraser Valley had to be evacuated. So can you imagine, you know, these sick patients in beds needing to go to other hospitals and, and, and be moved? And then equally, one of the train tracks was washed out. And that is how we get many of our medical supplies is, is from train from east to west. And uh, that was really impacted for, uh, for many of us. Um, I want to draw the listeners' attention to a special edition of the Canadian uh, Journal of Cardiology, which is coming out in, in September, which describes uh, many of the cardiovascular health effects of adverse planetary health. You and I, as well as uh, Isabel No and Mike Cole, wrote a paper about arrhythmias in air pollution. And I must say, when that first was proposed, I, I didn't really realize the impact of air pollution on arrhythmias. And uh, there are some great Canadian studies that, that we uh, reference where 
chronic air pollution increases the uh, the risk of atrial fibrillation, and acute air pollution increases the risk of both atrial fibrillation and adverse ventricular events, uh, ventricular fibrillation, ventricular tachycardia. Um, these are both from epidemiologic studies looking at emergency room visits and also from patients who've got defibrillators where we can monitor their arrhythmias um, acutely and, and very specifically for time points. Uh, some of these manuscripts are already released on the CJC website, so I encourage you to uh, to read those. Uh, we we certainly enjoyed uh, researching the information on them. I want to d- draw the uh, attention to the the real focus of the CCS Planetary Health Committee. We've decided to to look at three focuses. One is how we can minimize our climate change footprint at work, and we might table that for another uh, podcast. Uh, the second is to highlight the the recommendations which both benefit cardiovascular health and planetary health, such as increasing plant-based foods, uh, active transport, etc. And then the third is to uh, minimize the adverse effects of climate change on our patients. On that last point, Steve, can you describe some advice that we can give some of the listeners regarding how to counsel their patients during times at risk, you know, high heat events or uh, poor air quality events? Sure. Yeah, it's. I think it's. It's a little bit sad, but true that we do have to add this type of discussion to the other discussions we have around prevention with our our patients. So we know that people, especially older people with advanced cardiovascular disease, are much more susceptible to the effects that we talked about. And so I've now started talking, uh, you know, about this on an annual visit or in a consult uh, with with patients who are affected, and similar to the way that we talk about things like flu vaccines every year. Uh, and the things I tell them specifically are to watch for the air quality in your in their local area. This is usually broadcast uh, on the local news if it's bad and or on all the weather uh, websites we can see that. And what they need to do is really if it's you know, fairly bad to avoid vigorous exertion outside. Uh, we know that exertion causes more pollution to be brought into the body and therefore can exacerbate the effects. Certainly, when the air is really bad, to do that, uh, and if it's if it's quite bad, to try to stay indoors as much as possible. And for some people, it may make sense to wear a mask to reduce their pollution exposure if they do have to go outside when the air is really bad. Similarly, uh, for heat, uh, we tell our our sicker patients to stay indoors in the hottest part of the day and uh, make sure that they're in contact with family or friends, especially if they're residence is, is not one that has, uh, you know, cooling that, that works really well. Uh, make sure they ask for help. That's great. Great advice. Great advice. And then, and then on the point of the recommendations that have both, you know, co-benefits, benefits to the cardiovascular system, as well as planetary health benefits, what advice do you have for patients? Uh, you know, as, as, as a heart rhythm specialist, the patients usually will, will bring this up to us rather than us bring this up to patients, but what advice do you give to patients to reduce their carbon footprint, so to speak? Yeah, I have to say that this doesn't come up super commonly in my clinic, but uh, if it if it does, I talk about a few different things. So the first is just being more active and doing active forms of transportation. So if you can add uh, a bit of walking, a bit of cycling, other forms of active activity to replace some, you know, some car travel that can be that can be a huge benefit for your carbon footprint and 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 be good for you at the same time. 
somewhat related to that is this concept of uh, getting out into nature. So uh, there's actually some really interesting evidence around the benefits of uh, being in nature for cardiovascular well-being. So just, you know, 30 minutes or an hour in nature can reduce your blood pressure, your blood glucose if you're diabetic. And there's some association studies showing uh, reduced cardiovascular mortality with people in people who are able to get out into nature. We also know that people who spend time in nature become a little bit more concerned about preserving it. And so they might become a little bit more interested in, in doing things that are good for the planet as well. And interestingly, there's this uh, program now that's available, I think, in all provinces in Canada called the Park Prescription Program, where as a physician, you can actually prescribe time in nature to your patients. We know that writing things down like this actually tends to be a little bit more effective. Uh, and I've done that for some of my patients if they're interested, but feeling a little bit uh, you know, nervous about it. And I guess the last one, if they ask me about it, is you know, you know, patients often ask about, about diet. And I, I tend not to recommend a specific diet, but we know that you know, meat, uh, diets that are heavy in meat or dairy are not the best cardiovascular diets. Um, and they're also, they have a high carbon uh, content as well in terms of uh, the agricultural practices that underlie those. So if they do ask, I'll, I'll say that, you know, replacing some of your meat and dairy with plant-based sources can be really helpful. Yeah, great, great advice. Great. I love this topic of biophilia, where if, if patients, you know, or if you bring your kids out into nature, they're more likely to be concerned about the environment and uh, and and think of this as they grow older. I only recently heard about the the park prescription and looked into it more. And uh, yeah, we're able to prescribe one Parks Canada Discovery Pass per month, so we can uh, do one of those uh, for one patient per month, and uh, that gives them free access to some of the Canada parks. Uh, there are also other uh, parks and and similar uh, activities that are either at a reduced rate if we prescribe them uh, or free. Um, so I encourage the listeners to, to look into that. Uh, you know, I, I've done my own carbon footprint calculator to see where I can minimize my carbon footprint. And, and some people uh, like the carbon, carbon footprint. Some people say it's, it's not enough. But I think even just being aware of, of what has the main carbon impact uh, is very helpful. Uh, it was for me anyway. So to close out the session, we're, we're getting near time. I think it would be good to give some listeners some final thoughts. Uh, what, what's your advice for healthcare providers who are wanting to become more involved in climate-related and uh, you know uh, planetary health-related activities, but don't really know where to start? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, I've come up with a few things, sort of five key points that uh, I'm, I've adapted from uh, the list that my friend Joe uses when he talks about this stuff. Uh, and I think the first one, actually, as, as it is for many you know, complex problems that we're facing, is actually to take an honest look at the problem. It's easy to sort of gloss over when we hear you know, stories about climate on the news, but it's important to actually understand what we're dealing with. And so you have to learn a little bit about climate science and the scale of the problem we're facing, what's already happening in the world and what's likely to happen. Uh, there's lots of really good information, sort of non-biased information you can get out there. Uh, the Canadian Association of Physicians for the Environment has some really good primers that are aimed at a healthcare audience. And so I'd encourage folks to take a look at those. Uh, and once you've done that, then you can really start to focus on all the other things. So the next step that most people will usually take is to do what you did, which is to look at your carbon footprint, look at other ways that you're affecting the environment with your personal life and personal choices, 
and and try to reduce that where where you can and where it makes sense. I, I do think it's important to not try to do this to the point of paralysis. There's we we live in a society that's organized in a certain way, and it's it's very hard to sort of completely drop out of that. And I don't encourage anyone to do that. Uh, but there are things that we can do for most people. The areas where they have the most sort of discretionary, you know, carbon burn relates to transportation or travel and, and to diet. I also want to, you know, sort of address the myth that all the things that we need to do are some sort of sacrifice or trade-off or we're, we're giving, we're giving up a bunch of good things. A lot of the things that I've done have actually been really fun and pleasant and, and allowed me to enjoy my life quite a bit. Third point is financial. So as healthcare cardiovascular professionals, we often have a little bit more money than we have time. And so I encourage people to use it well. So if you have investments, look what they're in and try to divest from uh, areas like energy stocks and other companies that whose business aren't in keeping with our planetary health goals. Try to invest instead in the well-being or green economy. Uh, and finally, donate when you can, if you have extra money, to effective charities that are working in this area. There's lots of great ones out there, which I'd be happy to discuss with people individually about if they like. I think this is an important area that is often overlooked. Fourth point is when you're ready and once you've learned and have some capacity, join a group uh, that resonates with you uh, in areas that you're passionate about. So it's important to remember that as medical professionals, our opinions really do carry a bit of weight in the community and with policymakers, and we can be really effective. So whether it's joining a, a citizen group in your community, a local group within your healthcare organization or university, or a direct advocacy group, all of those are really good options. And you know, as I said at the outset here, just being involved in doing something starts to feel pretty good pretty quickly. And then the final point I think it's important is, is don't panic and don't give up, right? We know this is a super complex global dilemma and none of us is going to be able to solve it all individually. We also know that a certain amount of climate change is sort of locked in, but we know that, you know, according to all the consensus reports of the IPCC or intergovernmental panel on climate change, that there are a bunch of different scenarios that are possible and, some of them are much better for, for us than others. And so we, we do have some work to do and uh, we think we can, we can avoid the worst case scenarios for sure. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Great, great points. It is, it is hard because there are, it feels like we're so uh, as an individual that we couldn't do much by ourselves, but you know, little things actually make a huge difference. And uh, at last year at CCC, we, uh, we gave a, a presentation, the group of the, the cardiovascular specialists uh, on the committee. And Lisa Gu, who's our uh, member of the Suzuki Foundation, spoke. And she said, you know, we actually have a, a big voice, both with our patients, the public, uh, politicians, uh, and we can make a, a huge difference. And, and sometimes that difference is just changing our, our vocabulary, changing what we say, making little differences. And um, so, I, yeah, I, I definitely hear you from that. Maybe it seems like such a big mountain to climb uh, that we become paralyzed and we don't do anything. But but that those are great points uh, of, of moving us forward. I, I really appreciate those. And thanks for all the other comments, Steve. I, I've, I've really enjoyed this. If the if you, the listener, like this episode, please let us know. Um, we plan to de deliver a few uh, more podcasts on this topic of the interaction of planetary healthcare and cardiovascular healthcare through the Cardio Connector podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast and you'll be notified for further episodes when they're released. 
Uh, thank you to the CCS for inviting us to do this. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in. And, and thank you, Steve. I really appreciate all your comments today. Thanks, Matt. It was great to be here. 